One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and welcome to the podcast, where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. The title of our podcast today is Babysitter, The Disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. Young lady, 15 years old. It's a sad story. It's a strange story. Um, Which is why we're doing it without Chuck. Yes, yes, because, you know, he cannot, um, you can't do a serious story with Chuck. He's... He is a man of rare humor. Whatever. Anyway, this young lady disappeared in 1953, Brandy. That was a long time ago. It was. And the case is still open, strangely enough. Mm. Uh, We'll talk about that. But before we do, let let me remind you that we are a true crime history comedy podcast. We use adult language. And so if adult language offends you, then we suggest that you check out one of the other wonderful podcasts that may be out there, including Haunted Visions with our own Brandy. Thank you. And our uh, good friend, Rachel. Yes. Uh, Don't worry, Chuck's out promoting other podcasts. I know. He's like promoting everyone but us. Yeah. He's wearing t-shirts. He's, we don't, I don't, have, I don't know Yeah, but we don't have t-shirts. I know. I don't know what he's doing. But Chuck is on vacation. Uh, he's in Michigan, and we hope he stays there. A little bit. Yeah. So, uh, but let me introduce my co-host, a lady who's known throughout the land as Brandy the Benevolent, Her Majesty, Queen Brandy the First. How are you today, Brandy? You know, Timmy, I'm better than I was yesterday. Yeah, I know you were having a thing yesterday. I saw your post on on our Facebook page, History Dweebs, the podcast. And I see how I got that plug in there? I did. I did. And that's how it's done. Yeah. And uh, you were, you said that you were having a bad day. It was, you know what, it's just one of those things where it's a thousand little things, a thousand little things that just... So what put you over the top? Uh, what put me over the top was getting a letter from a girl at Legal Aid telling me things that I must do and must not do. Oh. I don't like that. No. But I did wait to reply to her letter uh-huh. till this morning. When I'd had a little coffee. Oh, yeah. And a little Valium. Oh, well, that's good. Simmer down a little bit. And then I sent so her a getting, strongly worded letter. You're getting sued, basically? I, no, I'm not getting sued. Uh, somebody has decided to retain legal aid counsel because she was denied services. Ah, okay. Well, you're getting sued. That's what I am not getting sued. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't uh, condone your behavior. And that's, you know what? Nobody can, so I'm okay. <laughs> How was young Noah? Uh, young Noah is young Noah. He started um, started second grade. Oh, oh yeah, school's back already. School's back. Oh yeah, started second so grade. He seems to he seems to like it. Well, you know, good. as much as Noah likes anything. And uh, yeah, he's is he uh, still studying uh, uh, medicine? He he is. He enjoys he enjoys a good C section video. <laughs> Good pimple popping video. We got to keep up uh, on all those. And I, I can. I, I've never seen that show, Doctor Pimple. It's pimple popper. Amazing. Uh, but I see the commercials, and that's it's so gross. Like wow. it's amazing. Ugh. It's so satisfying. It's, it doesn't. It's, and I see the commercials for unexpected. You, well, no, I don't watch that you, shit. Like no, but you teen no. parents who don't want to. The clip was the last clip was they don't want to 
uh, they didn't want they couldn't afford a condom or they didn't want to pay for the condom so just have a kid instead well you know and here's the they're thing they're cheap yeah, yeah right here's the thing you yes your your taste in television are you know pretty much narrowed down to about one show that you watch religiously i know and that's where i see the commercials at right 90 day fiance yes which I find that show ridiculous. Oh, and like, fairly oh, gross. Oh no, it's the best. It's it's wonderful. It's but I can see how you'd like it. I can see how you'd like it. Probably for the same reason that I enjoy hoarders or intervention. It's because you know what? I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to it in yeah, some ways. I'm all right. Look at these fuckers. I'm <laughs> yeah. go. I'm doing okay. Yeah, com- yeah. It's all relative, right? Yeah, I'm okay. My house is clean. Good to go. There's I've no dead watching, cats. Although I've been watching Bar Rescue, and that guy's kind of an asshole. I don't, I, you know, I don't watch that. Uh, that stuff stresses a, me out. Yeah, it stresses me out. He yells at people. I don't know where you have to yell. He's like this dude from, I guess. Maybe he's, he's trying from, to be heard. From the East Coast or something. You know, they're all pushy over there. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah I, I, know, so. I, I had not heard that. <laughs> and well, not heard that stereotype, but thank you. Well, you know, our audience can probably, uh, they'll probably agree with me on that. I doubt it. All right, let's talk about the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, shall we? We shall. All right. 15-year-old Evelyn Hartley was earning a few dollars by babysitting for family friends on the night of October 24th, 1953. Brandy, how old were you then? I was not born. Oh. How old were you? Uh, I was not born. How old were you? How old were you when you were 15? <laughs> I was 13 and a half. Okay. Did you ever earn a few bucks babysitting? I did. For family friends? I did. And strangers. Hmm. <laughs> what kind of what kind of dough did you make back in the day? You know, I didn't. I made pretty good dough for you know somebody who didn't have bills to pay and just was looking for money for you know. I think it's interesting. Zima. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting that people would you know entrust their children to you. Very trustworthy with children. I don't know. No, but the older I get, my tolerance is lower now, so oh, okay. I can't go on, like, field trips or anything like that because, uh, because um, you know, when you're with other people's children, you can snatch your own child if they're acting like an yeah, idiot. you can slap them across the head. Exactly. Uh-huh. People get all touchy when you do that to their kids, so I don't even go anymore on field trips with my child. Dude, I worked at this um, uh, kid's center. It was, a, it was like an orphanage back mm-hmm. in the day. Day, treatment center and um we took a group of kids to washington dc mm-hmm. which is about like 11 so, hours yeah an hour, something like that. drive <sighs> it was a nightmare yeah. it was a nightmare this one kid he he knocked down a display at the smithsonian i mean just knocked it down <laughs> he went across you know the roped out area right. and knocked it down same kid later in the day we're at the hotel and the kids are swimming he goes under the water and he doesn't look like he's responsive so everyone starts to panic someone calls 911 drags him out of the uh water and another another social worker is getting ready to perform cpr on him and this kid he's about 14 opens his eyes and says psych <laughs> kill the little bastard i really oh, wanted to kill yeah, him no that's old enough to know better for sure yeah it was a long tri- long ass trip so that was the last time i ever did that yeah fuck that so, noise yeah babysitting probably not up my uh i was either. gonna ask you to watch noah but okay oh no no it's cool we'll go we we'll go out and hang out you know he's a chick magnet yeah and we can uh watch uh video medical videos of c-sections and things yeah you'd love that yeah Anyway, Evelyn Hartley disappeared, Brandy, on the October 24, 1953. She disappeared that evening despite an exhaustive search. The teenager was never heard from again, Brandy. That's sad. It is sad. This is one of those sad stories, and it's probably a bad timing to do this just since they found that young lady in Iowa. Oh, my Iowa. God. That's what I mean. I'm not sure how funny this will be, but it's an interesting story. Um, along the bank, because when we do like serial killer, killers and things, we can make fun of them. Right. And no, one, I know. This one is kind of a mystery. So along the bank of the Mississippi River in southwest Wisconsin, state of cheese, Brandy. They have a lot of cheese there. They do. I'm against cheese. I know. You I, are the ACC. Uh, yes, I'm a proud member of the Anti-Cheese Coalition. 
in the southwest corner of Wisconsin lies the city of La Crosse. I wonder if uh, Bridget Clavey knows where that is. I'm sure she I'm does. sure she does. Yes, she's very bright. She lives in Wisconsin. That's why. She I'm does. Making that connection. Right. It's a charming community, and it uh, ranks as one of Wisconsin's most desirable places to live. Ever, huh. been in, ever been in Wisconsin? It's cold. Yeah, I've been in Milwaukee once. I went to a Brewers game, but I've never been, like, up in no. northern Wisconsin. If, like I, if, I go out, if I go out of town, I don't go places where it's cold. Yeah, Chuck goes to Michigan every year. Except last year he went to Toronto, which he hated. Right. And they hated him. Yeah. He's not. You know, our Chuck is not very open-minded when it comes to other cultures. Or people. Yeah, yeah. no. Cultures, people, things. Yeah. yeah. No. He's a bit a bit of a curmudgeon. <laughs> that describes him exactly. We have to add that to his title. If I could pronounce it, I would. Yes. But it's pleasant reputation, Brandy. Uh, lacrosse, we're talking about. Right. Not Chuck's. Not Chuck's. Right. Uh, lacrosse's uh, La pleasant reputation was marred. Uh, have you ever been marred? I have. Yeah, you, I feel you like marred I have. Dave. Well, that's perspective. <laughs> it was marred on October 24, 1953. On this night, 15 year old Evelyn Grace Hartley, they called her Evie, by the way. Little, little tidbit I just threw in there. Thank you. To make the story more interesting. <laughs> Although it's a very interesting story. Um, she went, uh, so she went to babysit and she was never seen again, Brandy. Right, I heard that somewhere yeah, before. I'm emphasizing that. Tell me all about it. Well, let me tell you about Evie first. Evelyn Grace Hartley was born on November 21st, 1937, which, as you know, was right before Thanksgiving in 1937, Brandy. Mm-hmm. Right around Chuck's birthday. He probably would, well, yeah, a couple weeks. He's born on December 7th, right? Mm -hmm. Was he born in 37? Let's say he is. Okay. They probably had turkey. Probably. And she was born in Texas, Brandy. It's a big state, southwest, where a lot of our friends and our listeners live. I've heard. Yeah. The family would move to La Crosse County, Wisconsin, in 1949. So she was born in Texas. She moves to wisconsin when she's 12 years old her father was a biology professor at La Crosse state college state college and her mother was a stay-at-home mom not to say there's anything wrong with that brandy if i didn't know moms want to stay at home that's fine we are on fuck are you even doing nobody was saying there was anything wrong with it (laughs) you kind of gave me a look i didn't give you any look you didn't even look up this is my face (laughs) but dad was a biology professor he was a little bit you know, he was, he was, uh, you know. He was working. Accomplished, what can I say? Not that the stay-at-home You know what, mother. let's move forward. <laughs> okay. Well, Chuck should be here. Just move forward. Evie, as she was known. Yes, was yes, she se- was. <laughs> it was the second of four children born to her parents. So I would think so. She had an older brother named Thomas and a younger sister named Carolyn and a younger brother named Richard. I did not put in their middle names, but in case you're interested, Thomas's middle name was uh, Gordon. That's amazing. Yeah, like Flash. Like Flash, yes. Probably was like, you know, Flash Gordon was probably popular when he was born. That was in the 30s. <sighs> Evelyn was a good student, Brandy, mm-hmm. receiving straight A's at Central High School where she was a junior. 15 years old and a junior. She's smart. She's smart. She was uh, very popular with her classmates. She enjoyed reading and spending time with her uh, with her many friends in her small hometown. Uh, Evie loved music and she played the ukulele and piano, not at the same time. That would be a pretty cool trick. Yeah, you like the ukulele. So she was like Tiny Tim and Liberace. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, yeah. All rolled into one little package. Yeah, we have to do a story on Tiny Tim. He, he was an interesting Dude. guy. He was an interesting guy. Tell me about Evie. All right. She also liked golf, tennis, swimming, and hiking. So, you know, she was your all-American young lady, very active in, at school. And she was also an officer at the Presbyterian Youth Program at the and Westminster Fellowship at her church. Uh, I never went to church because I don't know what those things are, but it sounds very religious. Your mom says you went to church. <laughs> She does. My mom is convinced that she took us to church when we were little, and neither me nor my brother remembers that. Sorry, Mom. Uh, Evie sang. You two needed some Jesus. 
Evie sang in a choir, Brandy. And her pastor described her as quiet, dependable, and devoted. And uh, those are... That's lovely. Those are... Uh, Not terms adjectives. to describe any of us. <laughs> those are adjectives often used to describe me. No. They're not. Quiet, dependable, devoted. Nope, none of those things. To describe any of us. Fits me to a T. Nope. Uh, Evie did not have a serious boyfriend, Brandy. She's only 15. Good for her. 15. She was not, uh, you know, she was not that kind of girl. And was described as shy regarding the opposite sex. Well, aren't we all? I guess. Her classmates stated that she would have liked to date, but she wasn't allowed. So her parents, you know, they refused to let her date at 15. Probably a good decision. In 1953, Evelyn Hartley was a sophomore at Central... I thought she was a junior. At Central High School. She's you can't either make a, up your mind, can she's you? She's either a sophomore... She's attending Central High School. Yeah, she's either... You know, she was in between her sophomore and junior year. For the love of shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's where the research was not consistent. Her, her father, Richard Hart, Was he a biology professor? He was a biology At, La, at La Crosse State College? He was indeed. And, his, and her mom was a homemaker? He, she was. She stayed home with four kids. Richard yeah. Gordon was one of them, or Thomas Gordon. Richard, Caroline, Tom, Thomas, Evie. Thomas Gordon. Named that's what after, I said. Named after, of yeah, course. I got all this part. Okay. Tell me about... Evie. Tell me more about Evie. On the, let me tell you about that fateful evening. Well, that'd be great. On that fateful evening, Brandy, and we're talking uh, October 24th, 1953, which is right before her birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Evelyn, Evie, left uh, f- for the home of another college professor, Professor Vigo Rasmus, uh, Rasputin. No, no, no. Damn it. Rasm- Rasmussen. Vigo. V-I-G-G-O. Hey, whatever. That's a cool name. It, it is. Any names that start with V, are, they're cool names. Uh, Vigo uh, Rasmussen uh, <laughs> was a, <laughs> he was a professor. He taught also at uh, La Crosse State College. He was a colleague of uh, Evie's father, Richard, who, as you know, was a biology professor at La Crosse <sighs> I heard. State College. Mom wasn't. Her mother, Ethel, was a homemaker. Well. Stay-at-home mom. Yes. Anyway, she, on that. She also probably drank heavily. So, uh, Vigo and his wife. were going. They were going out to dinner or whatever. Yeah, they were going out. Going no, no, they were not going out for dinner. Um, th- they were going out. They were going to attend the homecoming game at, Cent- or at La Crosse State College. Because, oh, you know, when you're a professor, you got those obligations care. things. Well, I'm just sure. setting the stage. Setting the stage. So it's homecoming weekend. Homecoming weekend. Vigo is a new professor at uh, La Crosse State College. Uh-huh. And he's a colleague of Richard Hart. Yes, Hart- God damn it. Yes, he who is. All, who happens to be a biology professor. Now. So he knew, he knew all that biology stuff. Yes, all the biology stuff. Yeah, and anyway, uh, Vigo. Uh, yeah, hired, Vigo's gone. Vigo, He's hired Evie to come over and watch baby, his kids. Babysit Janice, his twenty-month-old child, so he could attend a homecoming game. It's all so far. It all makes sense, right? Uh huh. The Rasmussen had a regular babysitter, so they had another babysitter. That was fifteen-year-old Janice Lucille Crawley. Okay. Yeah, is she clutched to this story or is she, she is a, she was tertiary a cl- she player? She was a <laughs> she's tertiary. She was a classmate of Evelyn's. Oh, okay. Okay. But the she plot was, thickens. She was unavailable to babysit that evening. Well, she was going to the game. So she asked Evelyn if she would be interested in the job. Earn a few bucks, watch your kid. Pass it. Watch your kid for a couple hours, smoke some dope. Yeah, well, it's yeah. really not her place to start <laughs> handing out babysitting jobs. <laughs> she was a broker, I guess. I guess. But she hooked her up with this gig. Uh-huh. I'm sure Evie was very thankful. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it turned out very well. So Evie agrees this. Sometime after agreeing to, agreeing to babysit, Evelyn, Evelyn changed her mind, and she wanted to go out with her friends instead. Yeah. So typical 15-year-old. But she made a commitment. But Evelyn's mom, oh, man. Evelyn's mom informed her that she said she would do it. She agreed to do it 
and she had to keep her commitments. Well, and that's, I mean, Evelyn's mom made a yeah. good point. But yeah. I mean, no, she's now okay. afterwards, yeah. you know, she, she feels with, like shit. Yeah. She's got to live with that, but still. Now, Evelyn had never babysat for the Rasmussen's before. Say Rasputin. I don't know how I hate Rasmussen. I think it's Rasmussen. That's important. The couple had only moved to the area a few months prior. Vigo Rasmussen picked up Evelyn at 630. You can just say Vigo. I think we got it. Okay. He picked up Evelyn at her home at 630 on October 24th. She was wearing uh, red jeans, a white blouse, Glasses and white bobby socks. Bobby socks were a thing back in the day. Yeah. Evelyn uh, brought three or four school books with her as she planned to study while the baby slept. 20-month-year-old kid, so they're hoping the baby sleeps. A 20-month-year-old? Yeah, 20-month-old kid. All right. All right, so Mr. Vigo and his wife... Yeah, Rasmussen's. Yeah, they bring her back to the house, give they, her the they, usual instructions. Yeah, they left their house. Don't, oh, by the way, Mrs. Don't feed it after midnight. Miss, Mrs. Rasmussen's name was Madeline. Oh, okay, great. They left the house at 645. Don't, catch, get, a, catch don't some, get the baby wet. That way you catch some dinner and then go to the game, what have you. Don't feed it after midnight. So Mr. and, Mr. and Mrs. Rasmussen, Rasmussen uh, <sighs> along with their seven-year-old daughter, they have another kid. Okay. Uh, Rosalind, with a Z. Oh yeah. Um, they went off to the football game. Okay. So seems late for a seven-year-old, but whatever. <laughs> Vigo, uh, Vigo, Madeline, and their seven-year-old. Yes, kid, they've gone to the game. Gone to the game. They're Dinner, gone. then a game. Okay. This was the last time Evelyn was ever seen. Evie's mother, Evelyn's mother, Ethel was her name, was described as having a nervous feeling about the night as early as 7 p.m. You ever get nervous feelings, Brandy? Yeah. Okay. I would ask you, but I already know that answer. <laughs> Evelyn typically called her parents to check in during her babysitting gigs. So they would expect her to call, make sure everything is going okay whenever she babysat. And again, this is the first time she was babysitting for Vigo and that Madeline. Yes. Okay. Her parents insisted she called them at 8.30 on that evening. Uh, when, and, and every time she babysat, she had to call. Okay? So they're mm-hmm. kind of helicopter parents there, Brandy. Yeah, clearly. Anyway, when some time had passed without word, Richard Hartley, her father, called... Uh, Big, Big Dick Hartley? <laughs> Big Dick Hartley called the Rasmussen's home. He called twice, Brandy. Not just once, but twice. Now, remember, this is for before... Cell phones, right? Yes. But uh, he received no answer. He even double-checked the phone number in the phone book. Remember the phone book? I do remember the phone book. Do they book. still have phone books? Yeah, they keep getting delivered to my friggin' house. <laughs> I don't know who uses those fucking things. You'd have to be like a like a techno, techno, technological uh, be delayed to have to use a telephone book. Well... Yeah. I, mean, who, I mean, couldn't you just Google a number? Why would you need a phone book? Well, back in the day, as you know. No, no, back in the day, you, you did. did. One. You had the yellow pages and the white pages, as you well know. Um, anyway, so he double-checks the number, you know, Vigo's phone, finds out Vigo's number was correct. So now he's really concerned because he's calling over there, and his daughter's not picking up the phone. Um, so now, you know, mom's already had a nervous feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Now Richard, dad, is calling. He can't get a hold of, uh, Evelyn. So he's getting concerned, Brandy. Right. Uh, so he decides that, uh, he let some time pass. Uh, and then he decided he needed to drive over to the residence. And check it out. See what's going on. Why wasn't his daughter calling them, right? Right. When he got there, he found um, the house was locked. He knocked repeatedly on the door. That means more than once, Brandy, probably several times. Uh, And again, he received no response. After a few minutes, he discovered... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. An open basement window. 
Ah. And having no one answering the door, his daughter's supposed to be in there with his baby, um, Richard took it upon himself to enter the door, enter the open basement window, which, uh, what do you think? Would you do that? I no, mean, just, no, just go to the door. Yeah, it seems like, a, I mean, I guess, you know, I don't know. I, I've never been a parent, so maybe. Yeah, you go to the door, through the door, whatever. I mean, him going through the basement door is weird because, yeah. you know, what if there's nothing going on and you've just slid in through the basement door? Well, that's exactly. Or what if they're not home? Or, right. You know, what's, what's the deal? Or now maybe, you know, Vigo and Madeline's in there doing the nasty. You never know. Great. Uh, anyway, upon entering the basement, he noticed one of uh, Evelyn's shoes at the top of the basement stairs. Mm. There was also a stool placed near the window in the basement. Not stool brandy, not like, uh, you know, waste. Poop. Yeah, not poop, but a stool like you. Yeah, uh, like, you, a, you like set, a step on. You set on a stool. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. But not. Got it. Not, uh, not uh, excrement brandy. Very important. The story, because it would change the story completely if there were poop there. Yes. Yeah. There wasn't poop that we know of. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. To his shock, Brandy, uh-huh, uh-huh. nobody was in the home except for the baby, Janice. The baby was sleeping soundly in the upstairs room. So he basically breaks in these people's house. Right. The doors are locked. The baby's there. His daughter's shoe is there. But uh, there's stool, a, a stool, but not excrement. That we, uh, that yes, we know. We know. There's we, no excrement there. Yeah, that we know of. You know, because this is an open case. They may, they may be holding facts back. That they, that it was actually poop? Yeah, that, or that there might be. I doubt it. They might have been stool and stool. Ugh. I don't know. Maybe been stool on the stool. You never know. Oh my God! These, these situations. It's like Chuck's here. <laughs> Crazy things happen, Brandy. By the way, and and I guess I should mention this now. As you know, I had a paranormal experience this week. Mm-hmm. I moved in my new house, and uh, I took a shower and uh, yesterday morning. And they were when I looked at my ba- uh, bathroom mirror, there was a biblical passage on my mirror, Brandy. I know. That was weird. But you know what was weirder? I, so I'm The yeah, fact that you didn't move the fuck out of that house. <laughs> so I'm telling you know, I, I take a picture of I come back home yesterday and I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe I, I'll, I'll take another look at it. So I do the same thing. I do the experiment. I'm talking to uh, Leanne Flanagan, who's, of course, on our, uh, our listener and is on a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And I take a picture of this mirror. I fog up my, I uh, turn the shower on, hot water on. And fogs up my mirror again, and uh, there it is again, the same message. I take a picture of it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, now, I had already told my mom about this experience, right? Mm-hmm. So then I show her the picture, and she's, like, shocked. And I said, I, why, why are you shocked? I already told you about this. And she says, well, I just thought you were seeing things. Well. But <laughs> isn't that a, wouldn't that be a, uh, a... Wouldn't that be something you'd be concerned about? You're just saying, oh, I just thought you were seeing things and let me walk out into society? Girl, honey. Girl. <laughs> you, she, she doesn't like you. I guess. Anyway, my house is haunted. Yes. I think it is. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST living in Move my bathroom. the fuck out. 
No. But anyway, back to uh, there's no stool in. Well, there may be a stool, but not like excrement in my basement. Oh my god! I just you know our sometimes our listeners don't catch on really quick. Yes, they do. I'm so I'm trying to you know really break it down, breaking it down, Brandy. Sweet. Just like on the dance floor, I'm oh, breaking it down. No. <laughs> just like we kind of will be breaking it down. Oh, that well, that I would like to see. Okay. All right, so, so the baby is in uh, the crib, right? Mm-hmm. Upstairs. Uh, his daughter, he's, his daughter's shoe is there. His daughter is nowhere to be found. The doors are all locked, which is odd. you got to admit that's odd. Mm-hmm. So Richard immediately calls the police. Ap- upon arriving, the authorities searched the home, and they discovered Evelyn's broken glasses that the Hartleys had just purchased for her that very day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at the very least, they may be out of the daughter here, but at the very least they're out some new glasses, right? And maybe one shoe. We don't know. <coughs> Not no stool. Stool is fine. Um, her other shoe was found, okay, so in a, uh, in a different part of the house. So they found two shoes, okay? Mm-hmm. So at this point, Evelyn's running around, Barefoot and without glasses, I guess. Uh, but they also, Brandy, they also found blood inside the home. Uh, perimeter uh, search revealed additional blood stains in the yard and bloody footprints on the, by the nearby garage. Bloodhounds were brought in to follow the scent, uh, being dogs, Brandy. Yes. Which they traced uh, to the street. So it's like it, they lost they lost the scent in the street, indicating what, obviously. They, they drove off. Yes. Now, Richard Hartley uh, also found every room in the house locked except the one in the basement that was located at the back of the house. An open window there was missing a screen, and the screen was found leaning against the outside wall. You know what this sounds like? It sounds kind of like the... Uh, 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 Lindenberg kidnapping. It was this, you know, they come with through a window, but they had a ladder, not a stool. Wasn't it Lindbergh? Yeah. Carl. Uh, Carl. <laughs> Charles Lindbergh. How about this? Uh-huh. Stick to the script. All right. The singing, there's some similarities here. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was in New Jersey. This was in Wisconsin. It was probably 20 years difference in time. I was like sure, 20 sure, years sure. earlier. Yeah. But just saying, it's odd. That's what I'm saying. No stool was involved in the... I'm going to kill you. Okay. Charles Lindbergh kidnapping of his son. I don't know what his son's name was, but... I'm going to kill you. Probably wouldn't have boarded. You know what? That's going to be on your fucking mirror in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, uh, okay, so he found all the rooms. He also found a, a short step ladder. See? This is uncanny. It's, it's almost the exact Crazy. same... Crazy. It's almost the exact same uh, situation as the Lindbergh. <laughs> Lindbergh, baby. All right, no, I'm God. just kidding. Lindbergh happened in the 30s. This isn't 50s. Okay. He also found a, a stepladder, as I said, belonging to the homeowner positioned at the wi- open window. So it was the homeowner. It's Vigo's stepladder. Mm-hmm. Prior marks were found on some windows, and footprints had been found in areas of the house. A puddle of blood that measured 18 inches across was found outside the basement window. The blood had human hair in it, Brandy. Okay. This is before DNA, right? So Sure. There was speculation that the blood amount left at the location was not enough to be fatal. Okay. So someone was obviously wounded, but probably not enough to kill Die, right. And the police believe that the blood left was from Evelyn's nose. I don't know why it was nose. Actually, thinking it's nosebleed, but I don't know. Um, so, as if they think, as if the um, the bad guy had slapped or punched her in the nose, causing a hemorrhage. So, what are your thoughts so far, Brandy? Well, whoever took her was a dick. Yeah. What do you think about the stool? Oh, my God. Okay. A neighbor reported hearing a girl scream at 7.15 that night. Now, remember, her mom had this odd feeling around 7 o'clock, right? Right. Now, 
the, a neighbor reported hearing a, a girl scream at 7.15 that night. So it must have been happening around this time. Evelyn was supposed to place a blanket on the baby at 7.15. That was part of her instructions. The baby was uncovered. It was a warm autumn evening. And, but it was, you know, as an autumn and an e- fall, it gets cool at night. Yes. So uh, Vigo had, uh, the baby's father had suggested that Evelyn put a blanket on the baby, or it was her instructions, mm-hmm. uh, at 7.15. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, it's been speculated by investigators that Evelyn was on her way to cover the baby when she saw the intruder. That's a f- fucking dumbass. It's speculation. <laughs> Come on, it's speculation. I understand. They're speculating. That's what speculators do, Brandy. Uh They speculate. speculate. Speculators going to speculate, Brandy. The police theorized that Evelyn must have been put into a car and driven away. Jesus Christ. I mean, I just think that's funny because it sounds kind of obvious, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, duh. The the blood... In, the, the blood sent ends in the street. And, yeah, anyway. But anyway, this is their theory because they don't know. A massive search commenced, Brandy. Volunteers combed town on foot. While the National Guard and the Civic Air Patrol and the Air Force scanned the area from overhead. So they went all out. Yeah, they did. Boaters took to the waterways in hopes of uncovering clues. Almost everyone in a, remember this is a small town. Almost everyone in the local community participated in search operations in October 1953. Searchers included law enforcement officers, the National Guard, Boy Scouts, and the Lacrosse uh, State College students and faculty. It was a big deal. Well, you know, if you got the Boy Scouts on it, yeah. Uh, now they they did something kind of interesting here, Brandy. Right. They had they set up a vehicle inspection program, mm-hmm. and it the intent was searching every vehicle in the county, which I don't know is constitutionally legal. I don't know if that's legal. Money. Whatever. I don't think they care. Uh, they asked, uh, and what they would do is well, I'll get to that in a minute. But gas station attendants were asked to check cars for blood stains as they pull up. This is back when they get full service, right? Right. Okay, so uh, boaters took to the waterways and hoping uh, uncovering clues. As I mentioned, numerous college and high school students joined the effort, and within the first few days, over two thousand people in the community were were out looking for Evelyn Hartley. The effort to find Evelyn Hartley soon became the largest manhunt in the history of the state of Wisconsin. That's uh, a big deal, Brandy. Well, yeah. Police asked uh, squirrel and deer hunters to stay alert while they're out in the field. Well, I, I imagine they are because they're hunting squirrel. That's good advice in any occasion. Well, sure. To be alert. But they thought maybe they might, you know, they might run into something. And farmers were told to explore their land for any freshly turned earth. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. In an effort to leave no stone unturned. Turned earth. Even fresh, freshly dug graves in the area were dug up to ensure that Evelyn's body had not been buried in secret. That's smart. Yeah. Several days later, Brandy, various items of clothing, including underpants, a bra, shoes, jeans, and a jacket, many of which were stained with blood, were found in different areas. Uh. Blood found... Yeah, the shoes were found in the house, as we already know. Uh, the blood found on the jacket matched Evelyn's blood type. And it's not looking good here. You've got to admit that. I do. I freely admit that. To make matters uh, worse, worse, authorities announced that no, to 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 go the extra mile. Authorities now. I said all cars, cars were going to be checked, right? Right. The goal was to have the back seat and trunk of every car in the county inspected for blood stains or any other suspicious signs. Like I said, now, I don't think I get away with that, but this was the 50s. 40,000 stickers were printed, each reading, my car is okay. Authorities would place a sticker on every car that had been checked and cleared. 
I don't want people with stickers on my car. Yeah, but, you know. No. They were going all out. Well. Police Chief George Long, because probably nothing like that has ever happened in this little small community. Well, no. I mean, they don't know what to do. They should have called in the, the feds. Yeah. Police Chief George Long. George. Yes. Ordered all, I said, all, ordered all gas stations to report suspicious vehicles. And the license number of any driver who refused a mandatory search. Police officers were in, also instructed to immediately check any car without an OK sticker. So unless you had an OK sticker, you weren't OK. And get your ass tased. Richard and Ethel, uh, Evan, Evie's parents, made uh, several public pleas for information. They addressed Evelyn's presumed abductor and begged for answers. A short time later, the Hartleys received two phone calls in which a man, oh, I hate this when this happens, in which the man offered to trade information about Evelyn for $500 cash. Fuck you, dude. Police assisted the Hartleys in setting up a trap for the caller. Because, you know, this was before. I mean, you know, they always on TV, it makes it easy, like they, it looks easy, like they uh, trace phone calls. But that's really a hard thing to do back then, especially in the 50s. But what they could do was trap your phone, which would keep the line open until they could trace it. Right. So anyway, they catch this guy, right? It resulted in the capture of a 20-year-old man named Jack Durfin. Who is a dipshit living in his parents' basement. Yes. As it happened, Durfin knew nothing about Evelyn. He was just, uh, and he was convicted and imprisoned for a, attempted extortion. So he was just trying to make money off this. What an asswipe. Yeah, that's not good. Um, so a number of local businesses, organizations, and neighbors pooled their money to establish a reward fund for any tips that might lead to Evelyn's return. The fund soon swelled to $6,600. Yeah, that was a lot that of money. That was a lot of money. Yeah, it's probably around twenty-five grand or something. Uh, hundreds of tips flooded in to the police station. Each tip was investigated and promptly dismissed. Nobody, it seemed, knew anything. That's pretty odd. Yeah. So a year after Evelyn's disappearance, Sheriff Robert Scullin estimated that his department had questioned approximately 1,200 people which is probably damn near the whole town. Yeah, and probably maybe beyond that. In I don't know what the population of La Crosse yeah. is, but it probably wasn't that much in the 50s. No. In the 65 years since Evelyn's disappearance, that number has grown to 3,500, but despite investigators' efforts, no new leads surfaced. After a year, investigators were at a standstill with the case. They decided to implement a controversial investigation method. What would that be? Well, the plan was to conduct a polygraph test on anyone who may have knew Evelyn. Yeah, and I see that would never fly today. In May of 1954, mass lie detector tests were conducted on the La Crosse area high school boys mm. in an attempt to find more information about Evelyn's disappearance. Well, remember she wanted to date, but she wasn't right. allowed. Initially, authorities planned to test about... Excuse me. 1,750 students and faculty, but the testing was controversial and was halted after about 300 were tested and when the test was not producing any significant results and law enforcement officers received a great deal of criticism from the press and the and community groups. Yeah, I'm sure not everyone. And by the way, La Crosse today has a, a population of 51,000, so it's a pretty it's good, small town. Yeah, small town, but it's not, you know, right. one, one main street or something. It's, a little bigger than that. Yes. Probably several stools. <sighs> okay, so they want they to do a blanket polygraph test. Yeah, and they didn't, people didn't like that. So the case eventually fell into the hands of A.M. Joseph, Josephson, okay. a criminal investigator from La Crosse County. Josephson would pursue the case for years, paying particular attention to two intriguing items found during the first few weeks of the investigation. The first clue was a pair of tennis shoes discovered near off of Highway 14, some 10 miles southeast of La Crosse, near Shelby, Wisconsin. The tread on the bottom of the shoes produ produced a distinct pattern if pressed into the mud. Indeed, a chunk of dirt had been found in the Rasmussen's living room 
that detectives believed matched the shoe tread. Okay, so they think this is the shoe of the perpetrator. Yeah, because her, her shoes was back in the right. house. Yeah. The same pattern was also found in footprints outside the Rasmussen's home. The second clue was a blood-stained denim jacket, which was recovered within 800 feet of the tennis shoes. Josephson believed that the two were connected to the crime. While inspecting the shoes, Josephson found yet another lead. He determined that the soles exhibited a distinct wear pattern consistent with operating a Whizzer motorbike. Have you ever rode on a Whizzer motorbike? I, I have not. It must have been. I think they were popular back in the day. I looked them up, but I couldn't find much information on them. But I guess they were popular bikes back in the day. Over the next few months, Josephson poured over sales records and receipts and even tracked down past and present owners of Whizzer motorbikes, but never found any worthwhile suspects. And it must have been really hard to do back in the day before computers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Today they can probably get that in a couple hours, but back in the day it was probably... The jacket and shoes were put on display throughout the region with a plea for information from anyone who might recognize them. Again, calls and potential leads flooded the police station, and once again, nothing useful materialized. In the end, the shoes and bloodstained jacket fell out of favor with most investigators, who are no longer, and the items are no longer considered significant. Oh, so that was a rabbit hole we went down for no reason. Mm. While the tennis shoes were a large size 11, the jacket was in fact a small size 36, leading many to conclude the two were unconnected. Or the person was very strangely built. Could be. Big feet, small body. Yeah. That happens. It does. Josephson, however, refused to give up. He viewed the size discrepancy as proof that two suspects had taken Evelyn. Uh. The investigator continued his search. Alas, his efforts ultimately led nowhere. They were in vain. Isn't that the story of my life? (laughs) They were in vain. Yeah. In 1957, Eddie Gein, known as the Butcher of Plainfield, was arrested. Or as Chuck calls him, Eddie Gein. Right. (sighs) <laughs> was arrested for the murder and mutilation of two local women in lacrosse. Okay, so this is Ed Gein territory, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Ed became a suspect in the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley when he was questioned, and the police learned that Gein had been visiting a relative a few blocks away from the Rasmussen's neighborhood at the time of Evelyn's disappearance. That seems pretty uh, uh, fishy. Fishy. Fishy indeed. Although he readily confessed to two other murders, Ed vehemently denied allegations that he was involved in the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley. He's yeah. got standards. He wouldn't. Well, I mean, he, he pretty much was an open book once they caught him. He told him, I mean, you know, he kind of he admitted to all he'd done. And he didn't. But didn't he? He kind of knew he was crazy, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was cutting kicking the skin off. Shit. No, right. But, I mean, you know, crazy people don't always know they're crazy. But I think he kind of oh, knew yeah, that yeah. he was off he the beam. He did. But I, I, I don't think he tried to hide it or anything. Yeah. Police conducted an extensive search of Ed Gein's property, which I'm sure they soon regretted. Oh, my God. And found no trace of Hartley's remains. Uh, Although they did find Jimmy Hoffa. (laughs) They found the lampshade or two. Yeah. Uh, Gein also took two polygraph tests in November of 1957 and was asked about Evelyn's disappearance. During the testing, Gein again denied any involvement with her disappearance. Yeah, I think it's just a coincidence. And he passed both polygraph tests and was subsequently ruled out as a suspect. Ruled out. Yep. After being committed to a mental institution, he was later declared insane. Hmm. How about that? Uh, And died in 1984. Um, Yet some still consider him a suspect. In the ensuing years, numerous individuals have come forward and confessed to the crime. All confessions were investigated and dismissed as false. I don't get that. Yeah, people commit... uh, Do false confessions? Yeah, I don't get that either. I don't understand. Um, In 1971, a 51-year-old transient named Tommy Thompson... By 51, you should not be a transient. You you know what? I always have this cousin who's saying, you know, he's always going to get on his feet. But 51, you shouldn't be a transient, Brandy. If you're a transient at 51... Yeah, you've got, made bad life choices. You've made bad life choices. You, and you need to sit down and really reevaluate. <laughs> and rest. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. So Tommy Thompson was arrested in Casper, Wyoming for passing bad checks. Um, 
Uh, and while in custody, Thompson told police of a rape and slaying he committed in 1953, naming Evelyn Hartley as a victim. Uh, authorities checked Thompson's claim and found that he had been in Minnesota, Minnesota, oh, in a Minnesota prison at the time of Evelyn's disappearance. Well, I guess he has an alibi then. The fuck? Why would you just? I don't confess? know. He's writing bad checks. I mean, what's the worst that's going to get out of that? Maybe a couple of years. I don't know. On October 22, 1978, 25 years after Evelyn vanished, the La Crosse Tribune ran a piece on Richard and Ethel Hartley. In it, the Hartleys admitted to giving, to giving up hope of ever finding out what happened to their daughter. They further commented that they, are no, they, that they no longer cared to read about it. Evelyn's parents moved to Portland, Oregon in the 1970s and are now both deceased. Remember that weirdo that was in Thailand and he confessed to killing uh, John Bonet? John Bonet. Yes. He just wanted a, free, wanted a free trip home, I think. That was weird. Vigo was also interviewed and claimed to be haunted by visions of what may have happened in his home that night. Yeah, and here's my question about Vigo. He was, I, apparently he was out with his wife and, and kid, right? Yeah. But whoever took her, the door was locked. Well, because he went in through the... Basement. He dragged her back through the basement? I don't know what he did. Um, in 2004, a man named Mel Williams came forward with a tape of a conversation he recorded at a bar years previously. Although Williams' goal was to record the band that was playing, the conversation between two men was unintentionally recorded as well. One of the men implicated himself in the Hartley disappearance on the tape. Also implicated was another man who Williams gathered committed suicide shortly after the crime. On the tape, the men implicated, implicated reported that he took Hartley to Lafarge, Wisconsin, where she was murdered and buried. The tape ended when the implicated man told Williams to stop recording. Williams reported he could not remember what happened when the recorder was shut off. The two men... Now, how do you not remember that? I mean, that, that, was, right. that would stand out, unless you were drunk, I guess. Right. The two men implicated on the tape are now deceased. Captain Mitch Bromer of the La Crosse Police Department responded to these tapes saying, we'll look into it. But no further developments were ever made public. The case of Evelyn Hartley remains open and unsolved. That's creepy. Yeah, it's sad. It is sad. And her parents dying, never knowing really what happened to her. I know. That's awful. I can't yeah, imagine. Do you have any, uh, what, what would be your speculation? Because you speculate. I do. From time to time. From time to time. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any speculation. I mean, what kind of... You think it was Ed Gein? I don't think it was Ed Gein. That fucker's, I mean, crazier in a shithouse rap, but I mean, he, once you got him, he's like, well, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much did that, too. So, I mean, you know... Yeah, and he was in digging up dead bodies too, and that was his. Oh thing. yeah, he dug up his mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good stuff. I'm I'm still curious about that. Uh, Vigo. The the. He's with his wife and girl. Yeah, and I, I I guess they I mean I guess they checked out I guess they checked that out but. I would imagine. Hmm. Maybe it was a, maybe they apparently they thought it was a a boy and yeah. she knew, cause. Why would they want to take a polygraph test of every kid in her class? Yeah, I got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah, it's a sad story. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we would like to thank, Brandy, all the wonderful people who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash historydweaves, where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or... Just a wee tiny bit, Timmy. Yes, everything is appreciated. We've got DweebCom coming up. We're going to see all of our friends soon in October. And now Brandy is going to give shout-outs to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. Let me apologize. For whatever reason, I have the yawns right okay. now, so it's a struggle. Am I boring you? A little bit. Huh. It's all sorry, right. Sorry, sorry. Mm. I tend to do Well, that. that and it's hotter than Satan's it, outhouse in here. It is hot. I agree. All right. So, Jim Seabright, Andrew Scamell, Tommy Lane, Jason Dykes, Terry Strafford, Brandy McBride, Jennifer Savota. Per Westman, Maggie Glover, Gracie's mom, Erica Kenny, Hiro, The Comeback Podcast, uh, let's see here, L.K. Bar Anute. Okay. Reen. Thank you very much. Uh, Marissa, Bridget Clavey, Philip, Phyllis Munson, Jennifer Riker Smith, Stephen Potts, Anna Bridget Garrett. Bridget Clavey. 
Clavy likes 90 Day Fiance, too. I know. Yes. And so our good friend Shirley. Shirley Shirley. They're girls. Yeah. So there's yeah. that. They got we talk about fun. that. We're in a group. I know. Anna Garrett, Ben, Ursula, Clark and Diane Trowbridge, Beth Ann Wallen, Michelle Johns, Margaret McDonald, Aaron Turner, Jess, Leanne Flanagan, Julia Rod- Rodriguez, Mike Sadler, Jamie Dent, Tyrone, Marsha Boris, Stacy Alsop, Jody and Sean Wells, Amber Anderson, They Walk Among Us podcast, Lorna Violet, Michael Deo, Kelly Charette, Karen Russell Widner, Kelly Jones, Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno, The Pleasing Terrors podcast with Mike Brown. Hi, Mike. Yeah, our good friend Mike Brown. Mm -hmm. Sarah Bloom, Amber Krupp, Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois. Bourgeois. She wants us to see her name with a little... I just did. Yeah, you did. I I usually do it, but Chuck screws it up. I know. He always screws it up. Kimberly Cambron, Elise Edrington. Elise. Elise. Yes. History Goes Bump, Amber Trevino, Annette Petre, Elise... Jahara, you have Lahara. I don't think that's it. I think it's Jahara. Oh, it's all I, right. I, it was a typo. I know. I'll forgive it. Alicia and Chip, uh, Marquia Smith, Jeff and Don Chestnut, Andrew Hap, Karen Barnes, Rachel Flynn, Shirley Strap, Todd Long, Melissa Montoya, Maja, Shelley Garrett, Carol Elise, Kristen Malachinsky, Adam McWaters. Ran- the Rants and Reasons podcast, Paula Kimes, The Vanished podcast, Canadian True Crime podcast, Charlie from Insight, Angela Santos, Lydia, Kim Stroop, Nicole Adams, uh, Ron, Tracy Smith, Bridget Bernard, Stacy, Cheryl Weldon, Miss Lady Beverly. Lovely Lady Beverly. Mm-hmm. Veronica. Chris Lane, Alexandra, Elaine Baker, sorry if I screwed that up, uh, Vivian, Mark and Chi, Amanda Lupus, Shannon Arnold, Kimberly Smith, Robin Sherrod, Rudy, the stupid fucking wonder dog, <laughs> and Miss Dottie. And you know what? I think Rudy, I think his credit card was declined. So I'm not sure if he should be on that list. He shouldn't. Um, he doesn't have thumbs. I mean, you got she right. I mean, I screwed her name up before, so hopefully okay. I got right she. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, Brandy? No. Lots of, you know, this whole week has just played with my emotions. There's been good news. There's been bad news. There's been, there's been some really big shithole people this week. Yeah. Uh, J- Jody Wells got a new job. She did. And we're thrilled about that. We hope you're enjoying it, Jody. She did. Um, and we probably are probably other things that we've missed throughout this week. But if we missed, uh, missed you on the Patreon list, uh, reach out to me and make sure I got you on the list because sometimes uh, I make mistakes. I know it's hard to believe. It, it is. I'm glad I was sitting down for that. Yes. But so Speculators will speculate, Brandon. I know. I know. Any final thoughts and words of wisdom to our wonderful listeners? You know what? Here's the thing. Are you excited about DweebCon? I am excited about DweebCon. I break it down at DweebCon. I'm very excited about that part of DweebCon for sure. But I booked my room. So you're ready. I'm I'm so ready. I'm so ready. Uh, DweebCon is the... uh, First weekend in October. First weekend in October here in Cincinnati. For more information about it, if you're not a member of our group, join our group uh, on Facebook, History Dweeb's the podcast and you'll get all the details thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next time on history dweebs bye everyone bye-bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 